Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. We are narrowing down our series. We are down to this today and then next week. And then Peyton and I are going to be preaching together on Easter Sunday. And then we're going to start a brand new series in the Gospel of Mark following, following that. And uh, today is the last day. If you want to get those, those Mark journaling Bibles, it's just the single book of Mark. And on one side of the page, it has the scriptures. On the other side of the page, it's a blank page, and you can write notes as you go. You don't have to get those, but if you want to get those, they're $5. You can sign up in the back, um, and, um, and you can either pay now or you can pay when they come in. Either way, that's, that's not um, our greatest concern at this particular point. Um, but here in Acts, let's get back to Acts. Acts is, has been a wonderful book. It's, it's, we see about discipleship. And this discipleship, we said, well, what is it? What does it look like? And Acts just gives one continual illustration right after the other. It just continues to be filled with these narratives to show what it means in helping others to Jesus. And as we continue in our journey uh, as we await the coming of, of Christ. And so today, we, we look at this couple. It's the first of its kind that we've seen in Acts. It is a godly couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. And we see something else that's a little bit different than what we've seen as well. And, and it really hits this point of disciples who are discipling disciples, <laughs> It's great because this is all a part of what we've been talking about. And this gives us this great example. So I want to go ahead and get into chapter 18. And, and the first four verses just set us up as to who this couple is. It says, after this, he, that is Paul, he went to Athens. He went from Athens, rather, and went to Corinth, where he found a Jewish man named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had re recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius, he was a Roman emperor, had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them and being in the same occupation, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and he tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. So Paul has come to Corinth. Um, He does come to Corinth. There it is. Paul comes to Corinth. But we know that Paul isn't from Corinth, right? And we also notice this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, they come from Italy, from the Rome area. Uh, and they're not from Corinth either. You're going to see a pattern develop. <laughs> Nobody is from these places that we go to, okay? Uh, and, and we learn a little bit about why Aquila and Priscilla ended up in Corinth, because there was this persecution by Claudius, the Roman emperor. And this would have been in 49 AD. And all the Jews were to be expelled from Rome. There were about 40,000. And the reason is really interesting is because the Jews couldn't get along. <laughs> Actually, the Messianic Jews and the non-Messianic Jews were constantly at each other. And finally, they said, you got to go. And so Aquila and Priscilla, we see that they end up in Corinth, and they meet up with Paul. And here they become good friends, and we see that they work together. They all 
do tent making together, they worship together, and they are discipling together. And then later on, when you go up to verses 18 and 19 of, of chapter 18, we see that they go on to Ephesus. And Ephesus is located just right across over here. But they go over to Ephesus. Uh, and Paul eventually leaves Ephesus. But he leaves Aquila and Priscilla there. And they are to stay and to minister and to disciple with these new Christians. It's really kind of cool. And that brings us to verses 24 and 25. This is really getting into our main text. It says, A Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was powerful in the scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the Spirit. He spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately, although he knew only John's baptism. So now we see that Apollos has come in. And where is Apollos? Oops, sorry. Where is Apollos from? He is from this area of Alexandria. And he goes to Ephesus. Alexandria, just to give you a little bit of background here, Alexandria is the second most important city in all the ancient world at this particular time. Only Rome is more important. There's a lot of cool facts that we could give about it. But Luke tells us about this man from this great city. And one is that he is an eloquent man. And what it shows is that he's powerful, he's persuasive, he is an elegant speaker. Something else, if you look at the text, is that he had a great understanding of the scriptures. You see that. This, this guy is... He's not new to the scriptures. He knows it very, very well. And then we talked about Alexandria. And Alexandria had this amazing library, the, one of the most amazing libraries in the world, which eventually burned, and it just saddens my heart. Uh, but they had this, this amazing library. And, and there actually was this kind of a reformed Judaism that had kind of occurred in this same place um, because they, they brought in some of the Greek culture, uh, something else that, that we know is that Phileo, he was a great, uh, uh, a great Jewish scholar. He lived at that. It's very possible that he actually mentored Apollos. We just don't know. Um, something else about this place, and this is significant, is this thing called the Septuagint. In your Bible, sometimes you'll see a little footnote, and it'll have from the Septuagint or from the LXX, or the LXX says this. It, it was translated right here in Alexandria. And what that was was simply, it was a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Folks, this was a mate. Paul used the Septuagint. There were many who used that because they are in a Greek society. Okay, so just to kind of give you an idea, and what, what Luke is trying to do here, and this is important, what Luke is trying to do is for us to be very impressed with Apollos. We are supposed to be very impressed by this man's resume. But there was something he didn't know, or something that he lacked. What was it? You, you remember seeing it here. Verse 24 and 25, really the end of verse 25. What was it? Only knew John's baptism, right? Only knew John's baptism. 
Now, he was accurate. You look again at the text. He is accurate in the things that he taught. But what he taught was not complete. John's baptism, and we'll see this when we get into the book of Mark, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was one of this preparation that was to come and this baptism of the Holy Spirit that was to come. And you're going to see with this and, and, and really what follows after this, the Holy Spirit really is the big, the big portion here. And what Luke is being here, and he does this sometimes, is he's using irony. Okay, he's using irony. Despite the fact that Apollos was powerful in Scripture, Evidently, he did not have the Holy Spirit or did not under certain aspects of the Spirit. Okay? And so he had this great understanding of Scriptures. But there is something that when one has the Scriptures and they have the Holy Spirit, there is a wisdom that they are given. And we see that in Acts chapter 6 and verse 10 to give an example of that. But they were unable to stand up against the wisdom of of the spirit by whom they spoke. Now, he had a lot of followers, Apollos. He was, man, he was a fireball. I would have loved to have heard Apollos preach. really would have. I would have needed a translator, but I would have loved to have heard him speak. But having followers doesn't mean that someone is being taught accurately. Okay? So Apollos, though, it's very important. Apollos is not called a false teacher. Now, this is really interesting because Paul, at times, he, he lets it fly. And he lets us know in no certain terms when someone is a false teacher. But he's not called this. In fact, what he taught was accurate. He just needed to be taught some things that he got, did not yet know. Well, what did he not know? We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us exactly what it is. Did he know about Jesus' death and resurrection? We don't know. What we do know, and this is what's important, is what he was teaching was the way of the Lord. This was first prophesied in Isaiah, and it's the one that is spoken of in the Gospels um, uh, as well. And in Luke chapter 3 and verse 4, it is the phrase that is used of John. Okay? So he knew the way of the Lord. He knew the way of Jesus. But he only knew as much as John. We just don't know how far that extent goes. We're going to see in a minute there are going to be those who knew even less. I really believe that. So verse 26 is important. So verse 26, it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. This is Apollos. After, notice, after he's finished speaking, Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him home. I love this. And they explained the way of God to him more accurately. That's just so cool all in and itself. So here, we're not told how much he knew, but whatever the case, whatever it is that he did not know, Priscilla and Aquila they pull him off to the side. They bring him home. And they teach him the way of the Lord more accurately. 
And the way, as it is being referred to here in some of your translations, when it speaks of the way, it is used in capital letters. Uh, and because that is what the church or followers of Jesus were referred to. They were part of the way. Luke uses this quite a bit in the book of Acts. Why is that important? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So by calling themselves the way, what they're saying is it's the way of Jesus. All right? So what are the results from all of this? So let's finish up this chapter. Verses 27 and 28, when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers wrote to the disciples, urging them to welcome him. After he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures, this is the Hebrew scriptures, folks, that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Apollos is not told to stop teaching. Apollos is not, is not told, listen, until you get your degree from an accepted Jesus seminary. In fact, what they do is they send him. Here's new knowledge. We've loaded you up. Now go to Achaia. Achaia is just a little place uh, right above Corinth. A little place is actually a pretty big place. But notice, and it shows how powerful that he is speaking through the scriptures. And what is he proclaiming? What does it say there in the text? Jesus is Messiah. And he's refuting the Jews, people who did not believe in the Messiah. There's something different now. And I believe it has to do with the Spirit of God. But regardless, he has this... this Something that he did not know before, and now he goes. And then chapter 19 opens with Apollos back in Corinth. And, and he is with Paul. And we're going to see, we're going to find something about them in just a moment. But the point that I want to get right now in this section is that there are disciples who have been taught about Jesus. They have been taught about Jesus. They are disciples. That's a word that means a learner, a student. They are disciples, not of another God, not of some pagan religion. They are disciples of Jesus. But they need a greater understanding. And we're going to see here in a minute, one of the great things that we better understand is the Holy Spirit. So there are followers of Jesus who need a more complete knowledge of Jesus. And they may have these incredible gifts. They may have this gift of teaching. They may be well-versed in the scriptures, but they can lack a fuller knowledge. In fact, we can even say they probably know more about the Bible and the scriptures than we do. But there is something that is still lacking. And that's okay. All right? That's okay. We need more understanding sometimes. They needed a godly couple to come alongside of them and to teach them more accurately. And I love that Aquila and Priscilla, they don't start yelling out while Apollos is teaching. 
I love the fact that they don't go to these others that he's been teaching and saying, listen, you don't need to be following him. I love the fact they pull him off to the side, they bring him into their home, and they just say, listen, is this not exciting? Let me tell you some things that you don't yet know. Powerful. Okay, now we go into chapter 19. And, and Luke builds this off of what we've just read, and we already know the problem of what he did. Not only, the only thing he knew was of John's baptism. So all of a sudden, we see in verse chapter 19, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples. What are they? What does it say there? Disciples. And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Wow. Then, with what baptism were you baptized, he asked them. With John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe on the one who would come after him, that is, in Jesus. Okay, this is, this is what they've been taught. Believe in Jesus. But all they know is this baptism of repentance, this baptism of, of John. On hearing this, notice this. It says they were baptized, and I think this is significant, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak with other languages and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. So here are some more disciples and they need a more complete understanding. I think they knew even less than Apollos because Luke just kind of points it out that way. He just, you just read this and you just realize these guys, they, they've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. It's like, how have you not heard of the Holy Spirit? They've heard of Jesus. Man, that's fantastic. But there's something that they needed. They needed to know about the Spirit of God, right? And so this knowledge was important, but it is also the way they handled it as well, isn't it? And so what we find here is disciples discipling disciples. You see that. You see, once you become a disciple, it doesn't mean you don't need to be discipled anymore. We all need it. We all need to receive it and we all need to help give it. But Priscilla and Aquila, they have come alongside of Apollo and what happened? They've come along in this journey along the way and helping other people with Apollos, so for example, and these 12 along the way. And what should this say to us about people that we disagree with doctrinally? No doubt there are people who are deceptive. We know that. Listen, read Acts. It's there. There are people that all they're concerned about is this health and wealth mentality of religion. All they're really concerned about is this, this attitude of, you know, it's, it's what pleases me. It's a, it's a fleshly, it's a worldly type of mentality, right? Scriptures are not important to them, and you'll hear them belittle the scriptures. And they'll say, it's just an ancient document, and we're just supposed to take bits and pieces of whatever it is that we want. But listen, well, that's not what we're talking about here. Paul, when he deals with the church at Ephesus, and he's getting going to Rome, this is sometime later, and they now have elders. 
And one of the things that he tells those elders is, listen, you be on guard. Be on guard, first of all, for yourself. And he says, listen, the Holy Spirit has appointed you at overseers. You shepherd the church of God that was purchased by Jesus. And listen to what he says at the end. He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves, listen to that language, savage wolves will rise up with deviant doctrines, and notice what they're trying to do, to lure the disciples into following them. In other words, rather than following Jesus, they're trying to get them to follow them. And it's deviant. Now look that word up. It means a departure from what is right and moral and good. But most of the people that we disagree with, they're not like that. They're not deviant. Are there people like that? Yes. But is that really what we do? I find a lot of people that I may disagree with, and not just outside of these walls, but inside of these walls, that they love their Bibles. But they're not deviant. They have a great understanding of many things. Including Jesus. And some of those that I may even disagree with, they may teach me something about Jesus that I didn't even know. But what if all disciples of Jesus were just open to learning? Disciple, let me define it again, a learner. Say I am a disciple of Jesus. It means that I am a person who learns. Yeah, but I, I know more than anybody in here. Apollos knew, Apollos knew more than anybody in the room. Listen, we all, and I can tell you for myself how far I've come and how every day the more I learn, the less I realize that I really knew in the, in the beginning. And even now. This isn't a matter of I'm right and you're wrong. You see, that's the way we take it in our culture. Uh, this is not a matter of I know everything and you don't. It's not a matter of I do Jesus better than you. It's about growing as learners, students of the Messiah. And that brings up the next very important topic of the narrative because they needed a complete and better understanding of the Holy Spirit. Even those who believe in the Spirit, they can be lacking in understanding the Spirit. You know this. And I'll be the first to tell you, I, I've learned a lot about the Spirit of God over the years. But I still feel like there's so much I don't know. Okay? I've got to be open to listening. Continuing to learn. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, just within these walls, we find a lot of differing ideas. You expand it out, we start seeing even more ideas. Some believe that the Spirit only works through the Word only. Some believe that the Spirit of God um, does supernatural things. We, we see they do supernatural things here. Some believe that the Spirit of God is something, at least in the gift that it's given, is something that comes in us and dwells in us and comforts us and guides us and leads us and even helping to understand the Scriptures that are His Spirit. And get this, some Christians, they are uncomfortable talking about the Holy Spirit. 
That's crazy. Folks, this is an important subject. It is important that we understand the Spirit of God dwells in us. It wasn't enough to know who the Holy Spirit is. It was very important, if you read Acts 19, that they receive the Holy Spirit. This narrative is not about people who go to other churches. It's about all of us. Anyone who says they are a disciple of Jesus. That's who this is for. We can get so hung up on other things, things are, that are just really not important, such as style, the way we do things, maybe even some of our own traditional types of things that we have turned into things that are doctrinal things, and, and things that the Bible doesn't speak about. So you go, well, yeah, the Bible is silent on this, but therefore it has all this authority. And yet we can't even say what really we need. Here's what the Spirit is saying to us. Here is the Holy Spirit. This is what it's saying. Folks, we've got to get past that. We can get so upset about little things. We can get upset. Listen, these are just some of the arguments, and I'm not saying here at all. I'm, I'm saying in my years of, of preaching, um, Someone get upset if somebody was baptized without the phrase for the forgiveness of sins. And say, if, if you don't, if that person in the baptistry doesn't say this is for the forgiveness of sins, it wasn't correct. That they must be rebaptized. And they'll actually go to Acts chapter 19 to try to prove that. And you say, well, yeah, because that's what Acts 2, verse 38 says, right? Repent, be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of sins. But how many times have we said, well, if we didn't say you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that, that baptism wasn't any good. Or that we say, you know what, it doesn't matter if you really know about the Spirit. What's important is that, is that you're baptized and that you know that you're forgiven. And I'm not trying to pit one against the other. I'm just saying... Why do we place so much emphasis upon one and we say, well, and probably if I ask people in here, how many of you really knew about the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? I wonder how many people would say, oh, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that was absolutely taught. I totally got that whole gift of the Holy Spirit. We'd have a lot of rebaptisms. But here's something I've learned about Acts 2 and verse 38 and a lot of other passages as well. And that is, there's our part in all of this. What is our part? Our part is the repentance, right? That means I'm turning from myself. I'm turning to God. He's the only one. I trust him. That's faith. I trust God. I trust in this name of Jesus Christ. I'm baptized. Why? Because out of obedience. That's what I do. But let me tell you what God does and not us. God forgives us of our sins, and God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those two things are not dependent upon us. Our part is to come in faith and trust to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you notice back in Acts chapter 19, we see that's what happened. They were now baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They had not been before. That's why they had not received the Spirit. Otherwise, they would have. 
We are cleansed of our sins, and the Spirit comes in us, and he writes God's laws on our hearts. And I may not understand it all, but I continue to learn, and I continue to grow in my faith. And it's interesting, nothing is said about Apollos being rebaptized. Did you notice that? Now, there, there used to come a time, and, and I'm having to pull, I have to pull myself back even now, on um, staying focused with what, what the writer is trying to tell us. Okay, and I get so frustrated. I'm like, why didn't, why didn't, I wish I'd learned more about what he told, what Apollos was told by Aquila and Priscilla. I just, I really wish I would have known that. It doesn't say he was rebaptized. It doesn't say he received the spirit of God after they had been taught these things. And I want to know those things. But here's something I learned about if I'm really going to understand scriptures, if I'm going to keep myself out of it, is I've just got to, I've just got to take what is given me. In other words, what was said to Apollos was not as important except the fact that he needed to know the way of the Lord more accurately. And then when he comes into chapter 19, he makes sure that we know about these guys, that they were rebaptized, and because they did not even know the Spirit of God. They had not been baptized in the name of Jesus, and now they were. And the Spirit of God comes on them in a supernatural way here to show that you now have the Spirit. You've never even heard about the Spirit? Okay, well, I'm gonna make, God's going to make sure you now know the Spirit is here. As a church, especially elders and ministers, we have to be very concerned about any teaching that's incorrect that may lead others away from the way of God. And no matter how unpopular it might be, we, we must hold things that are taught in this book. And to kind of give a little side note here, I think it's very refreshing, ladies, as Luke giving some credence here to Priscilla. We talked about that when we were at Lydia, remember that. And every time we see that there is this teaching moment, we see that Priscilla's name is mentioned before Aquila. The fact that a woman is in an ancient document is pretty major. But for a, a wife to be mentioned before the husband, that is major. You know why? Because she's doing the primary teaching. Take what the text gives you. He was a part of it. But what we also realize is that, ladies, it's okay to take men off to the side and teach them the ways of the Lord more accurately. When, when, when Missy and I got married and I was still in college, I, I grew up going to church my whole life, but I just, I would, didn't take it very seriously. I was, a, I was, as a teenager, I just, I was very arrogant. Just, just put it out there for what it was. Um, I, I was there because my parents wanted me there. I liked the people there, but, but at the same time, I really didn't have a great knowledge, and my wife is totally different. And so when, when I'm going through college, and even when I'm a youth minister and, and those first few years and, and even in preaching, I remember just being in my office and calling her and saying, listen, where is this found? Uh, what do you think on this? And even today, she still tells me, she listens to a lot of different blog uh, podcasts and things like that, and, and she'll tell me things that she learned. And I learn from things that she's taught. There are people in this room, women right now in this room, in fact, over the last week, I've had two women right here in this room that have shared something with me that have taught me something. 
some things that I did not know, and I, am, I now know them the way more accurately. Ladies, don't sell yourself short. God doesn't. So here's my conclusion. Be open to learning. No matter how well you know the scriptures, like Apollos, be open to the things that you may not understand. We need to be open-minded like these people called the Bereans. You ever heard of the Bereans? It comes in, in chapter 17. Let me tell you, listen to this. This is awesome. The people here were more open-minded. You see this word, open-mindedness? Than those in Thessalonica, since they welcomed the message with eagerness, that's good. But notice this, they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They weren't blindly following. Oh, well, man, that's a great new teaching. Let's just follow into it. No, that's not what we find there, is it? They continued to open up the scriptures. And by the way, it was the Hebrew scriptures. And they are searching and they're learning. And they realize, yes, there are some things we did not know. And I also learned that we are to share with those who may not understand certain things. Leave behind the traditions. It's okay to have traditions. We've got traditions here. I've got tra Listen, you come to my house at Thanksgiving, I can show you traditions. But there are certain things that the Bible just does not emphasize. And I, I just stay away from those. And I try to stay locked in on the gospel of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because that's there. We have a strong emphasis on discipling, bringing people to the cross of Jesus. Acts has continued to show this. And now we see that's just this continuation of how we are to continue with people. And people are to continue with us. It's about discipling other people and allowing ourselves, our, me, myself even, to be discipled. I love the old proverb, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Just as iron blades coming together helps to, to sharpen those irons, he says that there are relationships that sharpen our character. Now you apply that to being a follower of Jesus. People who are continuing to sharpen one another. If I learn something from you, I can't take offense and feel like that my that that I should lose self-confidence in the fact that that I am a teacher and a, a preacher of God. This is not a pride thing. Put that aside. Be open-minded. Listen carefully. That's the way we change culture. That's the way we change ourselves in being open to these things. I've had some great teachers over the years. But they were not Jesus and they were not the Holy Spirit. We all have room to grow. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we just thank you for allowing us to be here. We thank you, Father, for your spirit who has joined us here and joins us within us everywhere we go. 
Father, help us to take off arrogance and pride. Help us to be like Apollos and like the Bereans. Father, if there are things that we need to learn, I need to learn, Father, keep me open. Help me to keep questioning it until I realize this is truth. And that is for all of us here. But Father, we know that you are the way. You are the truth and you are the life. And so Father, help us to continue to be disciples, learners, students of you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we can help you in any way, come as together we stand and as we sing.